Hey everyone, it's Rob here. A little edit into the show before it starts. Uh, into the show, I don't know if it's in part one or part two, but Terrence uh, asked me a question of like how many times I record an intro for the show that we've already recorded or re-record an intro that we've already done. Uh, I do it quite frequently now that he points it out. Uh, this was uh, gonna. This is episode fifty-two that you're getting ready to uh, listen to. And uh, Ryan wasn't able to be on the episode, so we didn't want to continue on with Nightfall because Ryan really wanted to be able to complete that with us, and uh, since that's one of his favorite stories and mine as well. So Terrence and I had the idea, like, it'll just be the two of us, and we'll just kind of talk about our interview with Chuck Dixon kind of now that we're kind of past the interview, what our thoughts and feelings were about it. Are we still giddy like (laughs) schoolgirls from interviewing uh, Chuck? And also kind of talk about the Justice League trailer and kind of whatever came to our mind. And I had this idea of uh, recording – I recorded a special episode on the YouTube channel for kind of announcing this podcast. And I said, Hey, I did like a zero uh, episode for the podcast about three years ago. I thought, Oh, this might be pretty good to just kind of put it in there uh, just because we didn't have any books to talk about. And then, uh, Ryan kind of showed up, which was really good. Uh, we had said, hey, if you have the availability to come on, uh, you can join in the conversation for however long uh, that we were going to talk for. And it was we, Terrence and I were only thinking it was going to be about, I don't know, half hour or so. Well, we talked for almost two and a half hours once the three of us got on. So you're actually going to hear... This is part one of our conversation, and the funny thing was, like I said, this was only supposed to be a, a quick – I even told my wife, this is going to be a quick uh, 30, 35-minute uh, conversation between Terrence and I just to kind of give us uh, some some meat and substance before I do this uh, zero-hour show. And peek behind the curtain, the zero-hour show is not going to happen right now. It's gonna, We're going to move that later on and actually do it when we do the Z- Robin Zero uh, issue and we'll kind of sandwich the two, but that's I'm just rambling. So uh, I'll shut up and we'll get into the show. And the funny thing is, when the show starts, it's just Terrence and I, and then I splice in Ryan's conversation that to make it sound like he joined in while Terrence and I were talking about the Chuck Dixon interview, but that didn't happen till after. Ryan entered. Okay, it's making my head hurt. Uh, just sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Why did I make this intro so long? <laughs> you don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. 
Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Uh, a little tag that all the Batman Universe podcasts are going to be adding here starting in the month of June is the Batman Universe is going into a network. So this show is part of the Batman Universe podcasting network. You can go to the BatmanUniverse.net and eventually there'll be a Batman Universe uh, podcastnetwork.com. I believe it's going to come up that you can go through all of the uh, podcasts that the Batman Universe uh, offers. Uh, we're also partnering with Batman on Film. You can uh, look us up over there on the BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us a, a few different ways over at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We're also on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can email. Now that that's old, people consider like emailing an old thing like, I wonder what writing an actual letter is. That's like yeah. Flintstone. But if you want to do it old school, uh, you can send an email at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. And uh, you can check us out on the YouTube page and just look up on the search engine, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake Podcast. Uh, Terrence is here this afternoon. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I'm back. I, I was out for about two weeks with the flu. And this flu, I don't know if it hit other parts of the country, but... North Carolina, it hit really bad, and like a lot of teachers and stuff at my school were out. And I, I really have not been sick like that for, for about 20, 25 years. And the worst part was I couldn't watch anything and I couldn't read anything. I just, in my head, like I couldn't read. So my comics, I'm way behind on my comics because they keep coming in the mail, but I couldn't <laughs> read them. So, and then uh, we went away to Florida because my, uh, daughter was in a, the marching band for school they went on a trip to florida so we went on that trip uh so i didn't read anything then so so i'm i'm way behind but i'm feeling normal again and i'm i'm glad to be back how are you doing rob <laughs> doing pretty good uh ryan and i which uh ryan's not here by the way before i get into that uh ryan is moving back to south carolina that's kind of funny when we started uh with ryan we were he was in south carolina and i then, think north carolina or north, north carolina, carolina. Yeah. yeah yeah and then moved to uh, Chicago, and now he's turned back around and going uh, back. Uh, I don't know if he had announced it on uh, this show, but uh, he is going to be – he's an expecting father now. So maybe that's uh, part of their move. So Ryan says, uh, hello, sorry, couldn't be here. Um, as far as uh, us, uh, like my wife tends to get sick a little bit more uh, than what I do, but I think coworkers were, or where I work, people were sick left and right. And Ryan and I were wondering if you were <laughs> going to make it out because yeah, said that's like the longest stretch that you had been uh, sick for a long time. Yeah, it's crazy. I still, it's been a month now. I still have like a little cough from it. Uh, so yeah, it was it was crazy. But um, yeah, we wanted to say congratulations to Ryan. We got to find out like where they're registered so all the the drake fans can send him a gift or something we can send him all all this robin and batman stuff that uh he'll, he'll go crazy with uh but um yeah he is not kicked off the podcast he is we figured well so and i i can kind of lead into what this podcast all about so we, we've been kind of bouncing around a, a few ideas of you know what we want to do for the next couple podcasts and and guests we want to have on and um also, just some cool ideas we, we, we have in the works. But uh, Ryan with the with the baby, and he's also moving, and there's a lot going on. So we said, you know what? Why don't why don't Rob and I? Why don't we jump on? Why don't we record a podcast? Give Ryan a little bit of time. But then we were like, well, well, what do we do? So we didn't want to steal one of the great ideas that Ryan had, or, or one of the cool ideas we wanted to include Ryan. And I just got the idea. Hey, let's just 
do a podcast and not have a topic, just, you know, like the Flying Graysons, live without a net. So this Crap. could be a yeah. – Which one of us is going to fall here, dude? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, actually it's um, Flying Graysons a la Batman Forever because at least there's two males in that one oh, who okay. die. Like, they kill off his brother in that one as well. So, you know. <laughs> right. uh, but um, – so yeah, so this this might be a total disaster. Rob might have to spend eighteen hours editing all this kind of stuff, <laughs> or it might be fun and and kind of liberating to just you know see where the the conversation goes. But you know, um, we, we had a few ideas that we were gonna bounce around. But I this just popped in my head, and this hopefully for some of the fans of the show to be a little like peek behind the curtain, just out of like percentage wise or amount of times. How often would you say, Rob, that you record an intro to the show with us on the line but then end up scrapping it and recording one separately because i can't tell you how many times i've listened to the show and i'm like that wasn't the intro rob recorded when we were doing it so what, what do you think at least half maybe or i'm, I'm sorry you're, you're breaking up i'm gonna have to re-record <laughs> yeah. this part yeah i probably half and okay because yeah. like while we're going live, I've got like a cheat sheet of all the stuff that I read, and a little peek behind the curtain, I messed it up again, but I think <laughs> yeah. I can cre- I can edit it uh, uh, neatly. But um, especially with the Chuck Dixon interview, I was really nervous, yeah, ab- about that, and not that I wanted to steal something from Kevin Smith and do this huge, you know, blowing smoke up Chuck's rear or something like that, yeah, you know, but I I wanted it to to be something and I I just botched it there so I you know went and re-recorded it later um and sometimes I think while we're figuring out all the pieces that you know we're going to say okay you talk about this I talk about that um I end up shooting from the hip and I think I shoot myself in the leg a few times yeah. more and I think just after editing they say like for recording you know an hour podcast you may spend two or three hours editing that show. Even me doing the uh and all that yeah. type of stuff, I go through and I edit a lot of those out <laughs> just because they, they bother me sometimes. And there was even a tag. I took all those um, and, and uhs out and I made a little like <laughs> five, five second little thing. So, you know, I'll do things like that. After I'm putting it together, I always think I could have done that intro a little bit better. So that's, why sometimes you hear me say, I made an edit into the show. <laughs> yeah, that's why. So it's it's usually about half. <laughs> well, I have to say, honestly, I admire that about you, that you're such a perfectionist that you want to uh, to get it right. But um, so that was a, a perfect segue into what I, I wanted to talk to you first about, because I was pretty nervous our last podcast, too, <laughs> because of our 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 first real interview of like a major just like contributor to the Tim Drake mythos, maybe someone who, you know, contributed the most. And that was Chuck Dixon. So I wanted to ask you now that we've had some perspective, you you listened to the interview a few times. We want to read a a few of the listener feedback too, um, which we'll read in a little bit. But, but what are your thoughts about the, the Chuck Dixon or Chuck Dixon interview now that we're about a month away from it? It went by so incredibly fast. Now when the three of us are talking, you know, we may talk for a couple hours, and I'll try and edit it down to a nice, sizable little chunk. But I've, when you said, "Well, we don't want to tie you here forever," I was thinking, "Man, Terrence, you're pulling the trigger <laughs> a little early." And I saw that we were already in an hour. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, I had a list of stuff 
that I wanted to ask. I want to ask him about this and I want to ask him about that, you know, all these little nuances. And I just got so captivated in the, uh, in the discussion with, with him and listening to him talk. I, listening back to it, I thought, man, I hope we don't sound stupid, but I think you can, you can tell we were excited about it and we were, that we said it, I left that little awkward, like once he got off the line, there was that where we didn't know what to say. And I still, mm-hmm. I yeah. still feel, feel that way that, uh, I think the first thing you said was he couldn't have been, you know, nicer to talk to. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when you meet your, you know, quote unquote idols or somebody that you, you look up to, um, I've met some baseball players that played with the Tigers that were just complete jerks, um, about signing stuff. That I remember getting a, a ball card signed uh, by Frank Tanana for way back in the day. If anybody remembers who he is, um, he was really kind of a—I don't want to swear—but it was he was an ass <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> yeah. to be perfectly honest. And I every time I look at that ball card, I'm just like, man, what a jerk! You know, I, I regretted getting that signed just from the experience that I had. But this was a complete opposite, and for him to say that. I would love to. I would love to do it again. You just you let me know and was very genuine about it. I I was just blown away uh, of, of from his kindness and just emailing back and forth uh, very easy. Uh, what what were your uh, thoughts? Yeah, same thing. Um, uh, my whole reason for saying to him like, hey, you know, like, we don't want to keep you, was just because I wanted to ha- have him back on again. You know, like I didn't <laughs> want him to see your, the email from us and be like, oh, these guys, they kept me on for seven hours last time. <laughs> Forget that. Like, oh, these guys, yeah, they're about an hour. They're cool. I'll come back on. Uh, you know, it's it. The odd thing is, you know, we read these comics, and for the most part, I I, I gotta say, like, I mean, what would you say? Like 80% of the comics are ones that he wrote that we review. Like they're just a few nightfall ones, you know, or, or yeah. the Batman ones that, um, he, somebody else, uh, wrote, but, f- and, and going forward, I, I vision the show. It's almost going to be like a hundred percent of the comics <laughs> he wrote. Yeah. So, um, like, it's just so cool to go. I, we, when we do the show, we're always like, Oh, I wonder if they did this. or why was this that? Or why was this that? And it's like, he knows why it's that he knows, <laughs> except he still doesn't know why Tim Drake likes third base. That was the one thing I was like, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. know everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to have him back on. We should we should like start a list of like questions for Chuck. So, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, he couldn't have been he couldn't have been nicer. And it was just, um, you know, at, at some point it was like um, just talking to a fan kind of or, or someone like when you're younger, when you're like whatever, like 12 or 13 and you meet someone who's older but knowledgeable and you want to ask them questions and they're nice and just will like give you all this information. That's what it was like. And it's not like we were talking to somebody that, oh, he used to write for this character 20 years ago. He's not really doing anything. Like, yeah. within a month, the Bane conquest is going to be starting. Yeah. Uh, and that that's going to be amazing to know. Here's a guy that probably, while we were talking to him, he was probably working, I mean, not at the same time, but, you know, it, sometime during that week was working on scripts for the... Uh, the Bane series. Um, and it just made me take a whole new interest in Bane. I I always liked Bane because of nightfall, but, um, I was really starting to delve into, uh, some Bane stuff that I've never read. 
You, you don't know. He might have been working while he was talking to us. We'll, we'll read like uh, Bane <laughs> Conquest, issue eight, you know, like page seven. Look at panel four. Those three guys he just snapped the neck of were named Rob, Terrence, and Ryan. <laughs> what is up with that? You know, yeah. I, so, I've never cut anything out of a comic book before, but I would yeah. cut that out and frame it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Ryan, yeah. what were your thoughts uh, now that we've come out of the Chuck Dixon interview? We're on the other side. What, what were your you know, takeaways from and everything? Well, I. I have had a chance to re-listen to it lately because, you know, people keep talking about Bane as a character, especially in the comics. You know, now we've got the I Am Bane storyline and everything like that. So at, at any opportunity, I've I've been, you know, forward our Chuck Dixon interview onto people, you know, and I think it's been great. Uh, just re-listening to it, I I think we had an incredible conversation. You know, he was very forthcoming. You know all the things that we ever wanted to know about Tim Drake and <laughs> Stephanie Brown and Bane and everything. And it was, it was really great to be wrapped up in that uh, world and to, to be almost, almost like he's just opening a door to like, well, this is what it was like to bring it. And this is the time that we did it. And this is what happened. And you didn't talk about what he thought about Dark Knight Rises and Batman and Robin. And, and the work. <laughs> it was great. And just to hear him, what he's working on now, I mean, uh, Terrence hit the nail on the head when he when he talked about you know the uh, Chuck Dixon's passion for his work is absolutely clear and it, to, when he talked to us he seemed just as excited about talking about all those characters as as you could tell reading the comics back at, back when they first came out you know and it, and that's so refreshing to see and then that's probably why he's one of our favorite. Uh, comic book writers is just because he's like super consistent and he's and he just does a great job with the characters so i don't think that you know could have come out better and um you know and, and and i think we even got some feedback on the uh batman universe page where this interview was posted people were talking about it and somebody commented on how it was a good point when we brought up how podcasts are like the new discussion sections and comic books where it's it's a better opportunity to become a little bit more, for lack of a better term a little bit more intimate with um <laughs> right. the ooh, with with the creators that you creators that you like it's a good opportunity to have them to be able to tap what we like about these characters or these specific creators and and pick their brain on the stuff that we love and 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 that's and that's that's a gift and it's and it's really great to be able to kind of uh, carry that torch now that we're kind of in a different area and we don't have like letter columns and I think it's actually better so it was cool experience and I, I really hope we get to have uh, Chuck Dixon back on the show again uh, well, anyway, so for, for setting up that interview, you've gotten a uh, one-year reprieve from being banned from your own show so or Ooh. kicked off your show. So, <laughs> yes, you've got amnesty for a year, but diplomatic immunity there from the weapon. Um, but just a, a little bit of feedback from um, our Facebook page, our good buddy Ashley Kronk um, put down great interview, so much great clarification. Uh, I think the um, – I'm going to save the best for last, but uh, Al – Bernardi said, excellent interview. You guys really knocked this out of the park. It was great hearing the man speak about the Blue Beetle thing. It's basically my dream comic that has never been realized. And, man, when he talked about Tim Drake being the next Blue Beetle and stuff, that just – that was yeah. like fascinating. Yeah. How, how did they not go for that? I mean that would have been so cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you remember. I had tweeted out – you know, when I was being a little coy about, hey, we're going to be interviewing somebody, and I was putting all those issues. I've got a Nightwing issue 
with Blue Beetle and Tim Drake on it, like Nightwing's missing and uh, Blue Beetle and uh, Robin are working together to try to find uh, Tim Drake. And I'm wondering if that was the seed that, hey, this is what I kind of want to do with these two characters, and it never went any farther than that one Nightwing issue. So I instantly reread that. And uh, I think there's a line in there that said something like, uh, it'd, be, it'd be cool to work with you again, uh, Mr. Drake. And he said, yeah, that'd be great, you know, Ted or something like that. I thought, well, that's oh. pretty cool. So anyway. Yeah. And um, so here, uh, I said I saved the best for last. So Andrew, um, I think it's Schweitzer is the last time I mispronounced it. Sorry, Andrew. Um, oop, I missed it here. I, I, I want to read more and instead I was sending him a message. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> All right. He says, I've listened to the podcast now probably three times. Like I, heard, I read that. I'm like, wow. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sorry for taking so long for saying this, but bravo. I, I was kind of offended that it took you so long, Andrew, but I'll, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. All right. You did such a great job with Chuck, who sounds like one of the easiest people to talk to in the world of comics. Like all of you, I could probably sit and chat with him about comics all day. I'm really looking forward to his upcoming work on Bane with Graham Nolan and hope it leads to him lending his talents to DC in the future. The story about Tim becoming Blue Beetle is one that I wish could one day be published as sort of an Elseworld series, but I doubt that this that that will ever happen. Probably one of the great miniseries that never was never to be, sorry. I hope you can get him on the show more in the future because I love hearing him talk about comics, particularly Tim Drake. Great job once again. You knocked it out of the park and scrapped, oh, scraped, scrapped, sorry, <laughs> scraped, <laughs> scraped the atmosphere. So, wow, Andrew, that, like, I'm going to have them read that at my funeral as part of my obituary. <laughs> yeah, so there thank you. Go. you. <laughs> it's the nicest thing people have said. Um, but a couple things. One thing I wanted to, I guess we could segue into what I was going to ask you too is questions you wanted to ask, um, but but didn't get a chance to. I wanted to ask him about Graham Nolan and his art and everything, um, yeah. and, and I just didn't get a chance to. Um, and then I also wanted to ask him about Elseworlds because he wrote one of my favorite Batman Elseworlds where it was for the annual where Batman was a pirate. And I know you don't like Elseworlds that much, and I'm, I was going to I'm turning put you my, on the spot, but yeah, yeah, I'm turning my my tide on that. I've started to kind of okay. go down that rabbit hole, but. Yeah, the thing I always liked about Elseworlds is because you kind of – anything could happen, yeah. you know, where, you know, when you pick up a Batman comic, Batman's not going to die. He's not going to shoot somebody like there's – unless it's uh, Batman and Robin Eternal number one. But right. then but then even then, you know, it'll be some kind of like fake bullet or something. Um, but Elseworlds, anything's possible. And I remembered um, – remember when they did right before the new 52, they had like uh, – Batman was like lost in the time stream. And then eventually they had Bruce Wayne, the return. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, uh, Grant Morrison wrote like a series of Batman comics where Batman was lost in the time stream mm-hmm. in places. And one of them was like, it had the cover of pirate Batman, but then he, he never was a part. Like it was a real letdown. Like he was captured by pirates and he took them through the bat cave or something. It wasn't very good. Um, and people were, I remember people this was when it was old the whole Gotham Knights uh website and they were all upset with like, Oh, I wanted Pirate Batman and I was like, Then read Chuck Dixon's Elseworld. Now of course they couldn't hear me because I was yelling at my iPod, but still, <laughs> you know. Uh but um anyway, sorry. were there any uh questions where you or or topics you were like, Oh man, I really wanted to, but just didn't time wise? Um I I think I probably had the most out of all this. I was like all week just writing stuff down. I had them broken down between uh, just general stuff, then Robin questions, Bane, and then Rebirth. 
Um, one I had that I kind of wanted to get to was King Snake. Um, yeah. Being the father of Bane, like, did that come naturally? Was King Snake, like, I did this character, King Snake, so Bane kind of gets created. Was that intentional? Was that kind of put together? So I kind of was wanting some, you know, just more clarification and just story, you know, on that. Um, kind of going through. Um, I always wanted to ask him about, you know, what he thought of Tim. Well, one thing he said in the interview that he wasn't really a fan of Robin. Not that he didn't like him, but it was just more of like, it's just Robin. It wasn't until Denny had explained, you know, who Tim Drake was to him that he, you know, obviously took the book and ran with it a uh, hundred issues. Actually, what, 120 if you count the ones he came back for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to ask him, so after having written so much, are you a fan of the uh, Tim Drake character? So that was kind of wanted to hear, you know, as he wrote the character for so long, did that turn his uh, viewpoint? Again, I don't think he was ever like, oh, I hate Robin, but it just sounded like it wasn't somebody he really thought about much. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, I don't know, man. I just hope we can get him on again. That that was pretty pretty awesome. I, um, and, you know, go ahead. No, I don't think it's going to be too hard uh, to get him back on. Um, I know Ryan and I picked this up. I don't know if this will be in the show or I'll edit it out. But uh, Ryan and I both picked up World's Finest uh, 3 that's the Robin mm-hmm. Superboy. I don't know if that's like the press. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Where it's it's in the timeline, but it might be something different and special. Like these were two special issues uh, that were put out, which I thought might be kind of cool to do with him. So that was an idea that I had. If any you know listeners out there were like, oh, this would be a cool thing to have Chuck back for. Um, I almost kind of want to get him sooner rather than later before he's you know knee deep into Bane. But mm-hmm. I kind of want to pick up a little bit of ground in the podcast at the same time. So, but I've been emailing him back and forth recently, and uh, just trying to track a package, <laughs> yeah. which is a, a whole another story. Uh, but uh, he's just has said it previously, in the last uh, couple days or so, that you know that he just had a really good time, and that he even tweeted out the episode for like his followers to listen to. So I thought that was pretty cool in and of itself. And um, yeah, Ryan had a good one. And I I think I can't remember if you put it in the last podcast or if he just said it, but he wanted Chuck had said that um, the reason why he wrote Robin was Denny O'Neill told him why Robin was so important to Batman and convinced him to do it and ryan had said man i wish i asked him what did denny say to you and what what was so that would be i think that's number one on our list or um man i'd love to i'd love to get denny o'neill on here i'd love to get norm brayfogle on here we i i went on norm brayfogle's um website and found some of his art and there he had a really good um high quality scan of that page i forget what issue you probably know it it was the code i think for uh something but um where you first see tim drake for the very first time in the new robin costume oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. the jason todd and and bruce and and alfred are there and um i put that on our facebook page and that like um right now i'm looking at it and it says 1648 people saw it so that's <laughs> you know where like normally we're in like the 
the hundreds that that broke the almost the two thousand. <laughs> um, so and what the cool thing was, I I, I mentioned Norm, like I, I tagged him in it, and some of our um, listeners and stuff who made comments. Actually, he liked them. He liked the picture. He liked the comments. So yeah, I know, saw that and yeah. I was like, wow. Um, yeah, that, that was cool. uh, Batman 465. 465. Cool. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so we we've got to have more. Shoot, Sorry, I was going to 57. Ask. My bad. My bad. Do you want to? Um, why don't you just say that? I'll shut up and you say that again, so that way you have a clear version of it. No. Sorry. Uh, that was Batman 457. That was the Scarecrow, uh, where you know Bruce tells him not to go. He and Vicky Vale, uh, Bruce, uh, Batman rather, get captured. So Tim decides he's going to come in and defeat the Scarecrow and to save Batman. And then Batman says, you know, where he says, "Yeah, are you something about? Are you ready to?" Or good job, Robin. And then that's the issue where he comes out. And then uh, 65 was the first night on the town as Batman and Robin. Uh, I've got an email here in the the actual email, old school. Uh, Rob O has been uh, posting stuff on you know the Facebook page and has sent some Twitter stuff. Twitter stuff to us, but he sent a really nice email uh, to the three of us. It says, Dear Rob, Terrence, and Ryan, just wanted to send you an email to express how much I enjoy your podcast. I really appreciate how you bring the listeners back to the glory days of the 90s Robin comics. It's so nice. Uh, let's try that again. <laughs> It is so nice listening to so much knowledge, knowledgeable Tim Drake fans who cl- clearly have a passion for the character as I do. After I started listening to your podcast, I became inspired to fill holes in my childhood Robin comic series collection. I've been a fan of, sorry, I've been, I mean, I can't talk today. It's been a fun adventure driving around to all the comic shops in my state and listening to your podcast. I know I have uh, the complete I have completed all the Robin miniseries, the Robin ongoing series, and annuals, specials, Nightfall, Night's Quest, and Night's End series, and all of Tim Drake's appearances before he became Robin. My next goal is to complete my collection of Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans comics. I am right there with you, Rob. Uh, I'm just starting to pick up Young Justice and uh, Teen Titans... uh, there's so much of that. I think I'm going to get those in the trades. Uh, but anyway, he continues. Thank you for all your great work uh, with your Robin podcast. I hope you come out uh, with new episodes very soon. Sincerely, Rob O. So thanks for that. And then he he and I had another little exchange. Um, I think it was just about that I was a little under the weather for a while. But uh, I'll read his last little uh, comment here. I said, I also thought about the irony of us both being Robs, because I'm writing a letter to Robin. He's writing a letter to Rob. Says, about remember, Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about Robin, too. I uh, says, I remember being a kid in the 90s, and what attracted me to the idea of Robin that I started uh, with the first three letters of my name. I think that's how I kind of got uh, into Robin as <laughs> yeah. well. So uh says, I think it's one of the great things that got me to picking up the Robin comic in the first place. That and the combination... Uh, that I know I have always been attracted to the characters that are more cerebral and fought with their brains more than just their brawn. Batman is a prime example of a character uh, of that type of character. Yet Robin was more relatable for given that we were similar ages and felt more mature. And I wanted to be as such for me, these characters and especially Tim uh, teach me things that I can be a hero by applying my mind and be determined and showing me compassion for others. So that was a, a nice little uh, follow-up email from him. So thanks, Rob, for those emails. 
Yeah, thanks, Rob. That's awesome. And it's funny you say that about the name because, you know, on the, the podcast here, you know, I go by Terrence and that's my official name. But growing up as a kid, nobody called me Terrence in my family, my friends, school teachers. They all called me Terry, partly because that's what they called me. But also there was another kid in my class at my school named Terrence. So like he was Terrence. <laughs> I was Terry. And um you know, at the same time, I don't know if you remember this old show, Three's Company was on. Oh, yeah. And they, they, it was Suzanne Summers was like the big star, and then she wanted more money, and they kicked her off, and they had someone replace her, and then I think they had someone replace her, and the character's name was Terry, I guess, short for Teresa. Yeah. And so then kids at school were like, oh, Terry on the show, you got a girl's name, and all this stuff. So, you know, I got that ribbing like my whole life. And then uh, when Batman Beyond came out, and the new Batman would be named Terry, I was like, I'm on board. I love this guy. Like all the like the a lot of the hardcore Batman fans were like, "Oh, what is this? And this isn't the real Batman." And what? And I'm like, "His name's Terry. I love it already." Terry, you know, like so. Yeah, I could I could see how you'd have that like connection to the character. Um, I wanted to uh, throw out this too, uh, Travis G. And I, if I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry. I have terrible names, but it's H U L C I Hulis, I guess, or Hulis, um, has also given us a couple of like fantastic jobs and great job, um, on the podcast and even posted a little thing with Robin alone. So I just wanted to put a shout out to him and say thank you. And also, um, let's see, uh, Ashton, who's always, he, he kind of likes everything and comments everything. Um, and uh who am i missing here um hold on hey if i pause here for a second oh you're fine just edit this because there's somebody and i can't remember his name and i don't want to be like and and that other guy whose name i can't remember what bruno? the heck is his name no i didn't get anything from bruno i can't think of him um he's an asian guy uh, oh um just, uh he's always posting about how he's in the hospital and medical stuff oh oh oh, oh that's um yeah. rich that- is it rich Rich Masamuto, is that right? Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. So ready? Yeah. (laughs) Edit here in three, two, Two. one. I also want to give a a big shout out to our buddy Rich. I know Rich has been under the weather a bit, having some medical issues in and out of the hospital, uh, but he always comments on our podcast. He also, him and I share a love for Justice League International. So um, he's always talking about Shag's podcast. So Rich, buddy, we hope you're doing better. And if if you are kind of in the hospital or feeling under the weather, maybe our, you know, hopefully our podcast can, uh, you know, take your mind off it for, you know, an hour or two, or, you know, um, maybe the doctors can medicate you and the <laughs> podcast, our podcast will seem a little more bearable. Yeah. Like, I like these guys so much better when yeah. I can press the, the value. <laughs> but yeah. Doc, but, uh, I, I, maybe that's why he's going. It's, he's like, yeah. it's like, it's like a bad drug. Like I need to get off of this. So I've got to yeah. go get my fix of the podcast but then he's got to come down off of it i know in all seriousness i know uh uh he's a good friend of the show and uh a connection that i like i can't remember her name um i'm a big fan of the tv show blue bloods with tom Selleck. uh he went to high school with uh mark or donnie Wahlberg's wife on the show <clears throat> he had posted a picture of her like they had must have had a class reunion and i'm like oh my gosh yeah cool so, and I've, yeah. I've said before, I thought I would like to see um, uh, Tom Selleck as Commissioner Gordon. I've said that a couple times because he plays a commissioner on the TV okay, show. Yeah. So he's got the big, thick mustache. So anyway. Well, that that's actually – well, let me say this. I'll segue into that. That's a good segue, but I just want to say one quick thing. 
to everyone, if we missed somebody uh, or liked our page or liked anything, sorry, but we really appreciate all the feedback. And I got to say, everyone is really awesome. It could be maybe because Tim Drake just attracts like nice, cool people. And, you know, maybe if we were doing something else, but, you know, I hear these other podcasts and they, they talk about the hate mail and people getting on them and all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, the Drake fans are not like that at all. They're really cool and supportive and nice. And so, so a big thank you to everybody. But you mentioned Commissioner Gordon and we've got our first look at the new Commissioner Gordon. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Oh, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. Shall we? It's good to see you playing well with others again. Just like a bat. I dig it. Maybe temporary. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob and I kind of thought we'd have this idea is that we'd pull up the new Justice League trailer on YouTube. Um, And if so, if you're a fan of the show, you've probably seen it a thousand times. So you you probably know... um, it by heart, but uh, we're going to pull it up and watch it and talk about it, but we're going to pause it because there, it goes so quick, so you'll hear Rob and I go, pause, pause, so if you're watching with us, hit pause so we can talk about what we just saw or what's coming up or what we think, and um, I've got uh, what came up for me, it's like trailer, a Fandango HD, is that what came up with you, movie clips trailers? Yeah, movie clips trailers, yep. All right, and just a little peek behind the curtain. It says here it came out two weeks ago, so we're about two weeks behind. It's got about four and a half million views. Um, so I've heard, I've watched it a few times, and I've heard some feedback. So I kind of also want to respond to the to the feedback uh, as well because I've heard some people say some things about it, and I disagree with them. But um, before we we watch it, I just overall, what was your impression? Overall, and, and if you had to give it a grade, like A to F, what, what would you say, Rob? As a trailer by itself, I, I think it was an A. It was something that I was – I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was an A if we're just going for a solid uh, trailer. Uh, just a funny little thing that I saw the BVS trailer in Hobby Lobby with my wife while she was picking up scrapbooking supplies. And uh, she wanted to go to a scrapbooking convention the day this came out. So as I'm walking around helping her pick up pens, papers, and cardboard and all these other things, I'm watching the trailer. So I didn't actually – because I was in like a convention hall. I couldn't hear it really well. So it wasn't until I got home, you know, like four or five hours later, I could actually see it, you know, on my TV. But I I thoroughly enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, same kind of experience. I wasn't in Hobby Lobby, but I forget (laughs) – we, we, I'd heard that it dropped and then I, um, was a little late to it. So when we got home, I put it on and my wife was talking to me and I don't know what, it was like Charlie Brown with the teacher in the background. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. And, and it, I heard her go, you're not even listening to me. And I'm like, no, I'm not justice league. Like I got in a lot of trouble for that. But, um, I, I would give the trailer, 
like a A minus to B plus. I thought it was really, really good. Not perfect. Um, I, I would, would have told you before it came out that Zack Snyder was going to make an awesome trailer. Like I think Zack Snyder missed his calling. He should have been alive and an adult. Well, I guess he was alive, but he was a kid, but uh, in the eighties and nineties and directing music videos because he is a master at shots oh, yeah. and cool imagery and making people look awesome. Um, actually, if you, you get the Watchmen, um, I don't know what I have the ultimate edition on like four disc Blu-ray and it's got uh, a music video that he recorded for my chemical romance for mm, Bob yeah. Dylan's desolation row, which comes up at the end of the credits. And it's an, it's a, one of the best music videos I've ever seen. So for that, I, I thought it would be really good, but it actually surpassed my expectations and it, um, it made me, it gave me more faith that the movie's going to be good. And, um, I was really into it. I, I think some of the criticism of it is really unjustified. I mean, I've heard people call it a, a, a pile of garbage and stuff, and I, I don't yeah. see that at all. In fact, and I might get in a little trouble for this, but I am more eager to see Justice League than I am to see Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, what about you? Uh, I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, now, I like the Spider-Man trailer. My biggest criticism for the Spider-Man trailer is I felt like we've seen the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, great. He's talking about being an Avenger with his best friend, and then uh, he thinks he can do all these great things. Tony has to take the suit away. He has to wear his old suit. And at the end of the day, ta-da, Spider-Man's back. Done. We've seen the the, the movies there, you know, yeah. in the trailer, which some people complained about BVS, that we saw Doomsday, we saw all this stuff. And one of the first comments I saw in the Justice League trailers, where's Superman? I'm like, now time out. Yeah. You were the yeah. same person that said... Well, you showed me too much. You want to see Superman already? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, Spider-Man, I mean, maybe it's just me because I'm a little jaded, but I loved the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. In fact, I even really liked Spider-Man 3, yeah. although I know it, I know it's not perfect and I know it's – but actually I saw it um, – I saw it like a couple days after it came out and someone who was a huge fan hated it and was like, I hate this movie. And so then I was like, you know, it's not that bad. I kind of like it, but I was going in with low expectations. So I was really big Tobey Maguire. And then I realized, okay, we're, we got a reboot. Andrew Garfield, I gave it my best shot. I, I like that, although it wasn't perfect. Now a third guy, I'm just kind of like, Ugh, you got to really impress me. And I'm like, just like you, I'm like, yeah, I think I saw the movie. Okay, so if you want to uh, watch it along with us, I'll uh, do a countdown for you to hit play. Uh, it's not exactly perfect, and I'll try to describe what's on the screen because just awkward silence between Rob and I uh, is not for good podcasting. <laughs> so hit play in three, two, one, and it starts off. You see a horse, and it's winter. Um, it definitely looks like Zack Snyder green screen, but um, – and it looks a lot like Han Solo a little bit. With yeah. the, I've heard other people say that, but I thought it was cool. But you don't know who it is. And then uh, it's in like this remote kind of Arctic region. And then hit, I'm going to hit pause for a second here. Uh, so I got like the guy standing above like a, like a remote fishing village kind of yeah. thing. And uh, even though I, I got to assume that this is a green screen shot because I don't think, and, and as we know, it'll be, you know, Ben Affleck or Stuntman. I don't know if you would put someone in harm's way like that especially in a windy condition but for a green screen i think it looks 100 percent real i think it looks great what, what do you think rob now i think they actually went to iceland to film oh, really? some of the stuff so i think this might actually be on location um 
wow, that'll be good behind the scenes because yeah. in, in Batman v Superman, there was a lot of stuff that was green screen that I didn't realize it was green screen right. until I saw the behind the scenes. And I was like, oh, wow, they weren't on a rooftop. They weren't. That wasn't uh, you know, that that yeah. really surprised me. So, uh, all right. So I'm at 20 seconds. And um, so we find out that this guy standing above the cliff turns out to be Bruce Wayne. And uh, I guess you can piece together that that's probably the fishing village where Aquaman is hanging out, Arthur Curry, and he's going to go down and get them. And I've heard some criticism on this scene that's driving me crazy because I disagree with it. They say, why is Batman on a horse? Why is he going there? Why doesn't he take the bat plane? Why doesn't he take the bat sub? And my feeling is if you're going to try to recruit this guy and you land the bat plane in that village, you either have to get out as in a Batman costume and everyone knows Batman's there or you get out as Bruce Wayne and everyone knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like maybe he wants to go subtly incognito, you know, find out, you know, maybe he's still investigating and trying to find out. It's, it's a little hard to walk through town in your bat costume or land a bat, you know, plane right in the middle of town. Uh, so what do you think, Rob? What, what, what were your thoughts about it? You know, and I think it's one of those two um, that I'm just going to say matches Malone. You know, how many times has Bruce we've seen in the comics that Bruce Wayne has gone, like like you said, incognito and just doing some reconnaissance. Like, let me just see if there's even this Aquaman guy there. Let's see what the town lore is rather than Batman going, Jim, what do you know about Aquaman? You know, yeah, you're probably not going to be as forthcoming as maybe some new guy that you – I just – some of those comments, I'm like, seriously – I somebody just walked in uh, the door here. Uh, what do you what do you think about that, Ryan? <laughs> hey yo, I'm hey. actually here. <laughs> uh, hey, and before we give you your uh, your input on the trailer, I just want to say congratulations on the news that there's a little uh, bat in the bat cave. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Uh, little bat girl is gonna be here uh, before you know it. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so we're twenty seconds or so in the trailer, and yeah. Bruce Wayne is. I think it's. I think it's cool to see Bruce Wayne do things that are still Batman out of costume, and that we saw some cool stuff like that in BVS briefly, and seeing it here is just you know it's just part of it. It makes sense. Bruce would be on the download of you know see he's probably already knows what he's about to walk into. Frankly, because he's been studying up on Aquaman, right. so he's probably trying to, you know, get to this place and not try to cause a big scene. But as, as we see later on, he he does anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ryan, uh, before we we fired up the trailer, we gave our kind of overall um, thoughts uh, and and kind of gave it a letter grade between A and F. So what 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 was your overall uh, thoughts on the trailer, and what grade would you give it? Um, if I had, if somebody forced me to grade the trailer, I would probably grade it with uh, the the sideways face meh emoji. That's what I would say, hmm. because <laughs> I, I um trailer as a trailer, it's it's got good parts, it's got bad parts. Um, if you just look at it by itself, to me, like I'm like, yeah, it's Justice League, but um. My my whole deal with it is that it's 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 coming off of Batman versus Superman and everything that that leads into um it it just part of that world so it 
because of BVS, I'm I can't be consciously optimistic about it. I am I, I just have to be more wait and see and about the whole movie, honestly. And no amount of no trailer is gonna. I don't think it's too much to ask to make to ask for a trailer to completely turn my thoughts around on the movie. If there was no BBS and I saw this trailer, I'd, I'd be like, okay, sure, I'll go see it, and it looks good. But um, I, it, just because I can't shake it being connected to BBS, I, I, it's hard to look at it outside of that spectrum. See, that's where I'm, I'm on the opposite side of it. I loved BBS so much that because of BBS, this got me even more excited for the trailer. And I'm like, yeah, bring it, bring it. This is, this is, this is the road that I, I want to go down. Um, and I think sure. I think the road is going to change. There's one scene in specific that'll come yeah. up where everybody's like, "Oh, it's so monochrome in tone. There's no color." I'm like, "Give it a minute." No, <laughs> no. All you know, and on a higher level, all of the the tone qu- comments or it looks gray or looks like this, looks like that. None of that or the Zack Snyder aesthetic or none of that really bothers me. Um, to me, it's all about being true to the characters and not being disingenuous and and there's two ways to go about course correcting or however they address how BS went you know they can either embrace it and go full on with it and keep trucking or they can kind of ignore it and gloss it over and tell jokes and stuff and again since the trailer since just just a trailer and it is marketed to the mainstream, you know. We we love it because we're fans, or we want to watch it because we're fans. But um, this trailer isn't really for us. It's 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 for the public at large. Right. So so we'll get into more specifics as we go on. But I'm actually kind of curious to see what 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 did you think, Terrence? Because you were on the opposite side of Rob. You didn't like BB, right? So how? Right. So are you just like, okay, yeah, whatever they do with Justice League, I'll see what they do. Or is it is it dampening your your spirits for it because of it being directly connected to bbs this trailer made me more into seeing or or, or raised my uh, anticipation for seeing justice league um i think i feel like they've listened to the fans about why a lot of people had problems with bbs and are trying to make the fans happy and trying to give the fans something they want to see so i feel like it's a step in the right direction i'm always cautious on these trailers because every movie Zack snyder's ever made the trailer's been awesome the trailer for sucker punch is freaking amazing yet that movie i i I couldn't even sit through it um the so i know this guy can make an amazing trailer um right and i feel like Man, I feel like Wonder Woman, I mean, she's worth the price of admission just to look at her. She's so gorgeous. And then it looks like Aquaman and Flash are going to just be breakout stars. Like, they look really great. And then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm wondering now, because the trend recently in trailers, and I don't know if this will continue, has been to show us stuff that doesn't actually appear in the movie. I mean, Suicide Squad had a lot of sure. stuff that was in the yeah. movie. Well, there was uh, a reason yeah, Rogue One had a whole bunch of stuff. Like, where's the TIE mm-hmm. fighter at the end? You know, so yeah. now I mean, I mean, maybe all of this is in the movie, but there's still a part maybe. of me like, you know, maybe something, you know, if if the fan reaction to Cyborg is, uh, and we'll get to him in a minute, that bad, maybe they'll cut some of it out. Or, or um, I oh. do think from BVS, I remember seeing the Doomsday in BVS and thinking, one, they showed right. too much. 
And two, uh, yep. I hope they improve that before the movie comes out. And yep. they didn't, you know, they did that, it on that's either, how either it was. level. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I do feel in this trailer they don't show. And Rob was saying people are hypocrites for saying they show too much in the last one. Now they're upset that they don't show Superman in this Showing one. Up. But yeah, I, that, I and that, you know, little. that's that's yeah. that's the good thing too. Like the, it's totally fine at this point to only show us the core members of the league, Superman, and this the the villain or you know other than parademons right because right. you need to get people invested in the league in the characters in in the fact that you know Bruce Wayne is trying to form the Justice League and I think it's and there are so many characters that it's it's worth it to you know hit that first before you delve into until until you got your big guns with Superman and stuff like that. Hey, so while we're paused, my New York accent came out there. Sorry. So while we're paused on twenty, <laughs> uh, while we're paused on twenty, let me throw this out to you guys because I heard this, and this is also a, a criticism that I, I didn't, uh, I don't buy, and I, I kind of heard on Batman on film a little bit and stuff, and they they were saying that guys who are more Ryan's age, guys who are more in their twenties or thirties, um, are more accepting of seeing Batman in the Justice League because they grew up with the Justice League cartoon and Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even Brave and the Bold. So they're more okay with it. We're older guys like Rob and I in our 40s and 50s don't. But I find that hogwash because my first experience with Batman was Super Friends. I didn't know about Batman by himself. He was with Super Friends. He was with Robin. He was with Gleek. And, you know, and so I, I'm, I, I feel like it's either you, you either came to it maybe a little later and, and were reading Batman comics or, or, maybe like the uh, animated series or something, but I, I don't buy that. So what are you saying, you you too, Rob? Yeah, and I, I'm not one to take shots across the bow at, at anybody when I say this, but for people that are only watching, uh, no, no play on words, but Batman on film or Batman in the movies, <laughs> that's not directed to Batman on film, but yeah. if, if that's your only frame of reference and like Batman wouldn't fight against Darkseid, uh, go read uh, the Superpowers comic in the 80s. Go watch Super Friends, where he is fighting against Darkseid and Steppenwolf and Parademons and, you know... Hanging out with Scooby-Doo. Yeah, hanging out with Scooby-Doo. I mean, Batman's taken on so many forms, so, you know, I I fully expect and agree with wherever your doorway to Batman is, that's kind of where your Batman is. If your Batman has never gone up against somebody like that, it's... You're... You're liking Batman is valid, but you can't say you can't have the t- the tunnel vision of going. Nope, this is the only Batman that can exist. He can only do X, Y, and Z. Because somebody that's read a lot of comics, I can pull out references and go, Nope, Batman's done this. He's done this. He's done this. Um, you know, in every version of Batman, he's lit a clown on fire. He's put a bomb down <laughs> yeah. his pants. Uh, he's run across I mean, rooftops in a tank. I mean. Mm-hmm. Just hearing somebody, and I'm just throwing this uh, towards uh, Ryan a little bit, hearing somebody saying, you know, that's disingenuous, I'm like, kind of on what level? Because even in the comics, you know, Batman was toting around a gun for, you know, the 1930s until they were like, nah, we're not going to do that. Um, So people were freaking out by seeing all these guns on the Batmobile. I'm like, you do know they're going against Darkseid and Steppenwolf and parademons you know yeah batman can't go i i i have a no kill rule so i i'm just gonna kind of sit back and be you know martian manhunter in the watchtower so i don't know why i went on a tangent there but that's where that's where 
you know, I, from from my Batman, he was in the Super Friends, and you know, playing alongside of, you know, Cyborg, Flash, Firestorm, and you know, Wonder Woman was always getting captured by Darkseid, and they would always have to go after her. You know, the stories were kind of thin, but back then, that was that was my doorway to Batman. So, uh, Ryan, sorry, I mean to um, railroad there. Where do I start? It's too much to talk about. Um, so I think there's, for me, there's a few ways to look at this. I mean, you can be a Batman fan. Uh, you can be a fan of Batman, but then you, and if you, you can fan of DC characters uh, individually. Um, but then when it comes to Justice League in general or the larger DC universe, I mean, I think there's, there are different moments and motions throughout the history of the comics where you can either kind of you either have opted into that or into you know opt out of it and you right. just kind of in terms of Batman like just kind of focus on Batman if that's what your your thing. So for me, like the whole Super Friends stuff is like, well, yeah, that's in the seventies or whatever, eighties or whatever, and. That's part of the cartoon stuff, but um, on the other hand, the 80s is also when you had very seminal works like Dark Knight Returns or Batman Year One, and you, we had comic books growing up, you know, with like Watchmen and things like that. And um, I think that's kind of where some of the divide kind of probably is. Uh, people that you know like original 1939 Batman. That's people that think that Batman were best in his own world by himself. And then you can jump forward in time and see those, you know, your dark Knight returns and stuff like that. And, and having, and all throughout that, that stuff, like for me, it's hard to pinpoint where like, Oh, that justice league run is like just as good as, you know, dark Knight returns or nothing seminal enough for, you know, for me as like a, primary Batman fan to be like, oh, okay, I can't wait to tell this Justice League story or that Justice League story. Mm-hmm. But but um it's just I think it's just a it's just spawns out of how you view the DC universe and how you want to experience it. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about comics is that you can experience it all. You know, you have your solo Batman title, you have your League title, you have your, you know, the one off stories or whatever, but but the fact that it's in Cinematic universe kind of forced it all to be, you know, kind of the streamlined thing. So I think that's part of it. And another part of it is like you really, you really can't because we have seventy-five years of story and history for all these characters. You can't go back and find a comic book panel for pretty much anything in Man versus Superman, for instance, and say, look, he did this in the comics. He shot people down with, you know, artillery or. He did this or he did that, and it's faithful. And yeah, I mean, it's all faithful, just the same way that Batman and Robin is faithful to like mm-hmm. the comics. You can, you can, a lot of it is. And Batman is a very malleable character. I think both agree. We'd all, three of us would agree oh, yeah. with that. I mean, Batman, Batman work in lots of situations. But, uh, but for me, um, I think for for some of the other guys on BOF, it's. For, but but just speaking for myself, it it cause BBS. I don't think set up a good foundation for Justice League. But that's not to say that I never wanted to see Justice League. So. Oh yeah. 
but that's not to say that there are, are people that are my age too. Um, cause then you can point to things like, well, if you were a fan of the seventies and you love super friends, you wanted to see them all together. Or if you're my age, like I'm 29 and I was at that perfect where I experienced Batman, the animated series, and then kind of grew up with the, the Bruce Tim animated series universe. I grew up with that. Like I started with Batman, the animated series, and then graduated to, you know, Batman beyond. And then after that, they did justice league unlimited. And I, you know, I can see how, I can see how people that are even a little bit younger than me. Like if, if, if their justice league unlimited era was like, their primary thing that they got into and loved the characters and loved the universe. I can see uh, some people that liked that can't wait, you know, for to, to, to see the justice league, you know, on the big screen or people that have always loved just justice league comics or like the new 52 stuff to see it all working. But, uh, I just think it's just balance. It's just yeah. balance and quality and it needs to. And I mean, the films are trying to provide that variety. You know, uh, I think, once we do have a, you know, after Justice League and we have things like these solo movies with Wonder Woman and Aquaman and you have a solo Batman movie and then you can do team ups and stuff. Then we'll once we get the variety that we see, like in the comics, I think a lot of this will kind of even out and mellow out. But uh, but that's all I, I wonder, too, that we're coming off. It's kind of like uh, Terrence said earlier, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man into the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Is it too close to the Dark Knight trilogy that some people just love the Dark Knight trilogy so much? It's their it's their bread and butter. This is the way Batman is, and then to see this, they're like, "Whoa, that that's not Batman," you know? That I'm I, that I I wonder where where some of that is for people in in the way that how they they like and they they view things that hmm. it, it's really kind of hard to let go of the past and that that be that and well, this and this be this i just yeah. don't know if that played into some of it at all for some people it's 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 so cr- crazy because it's hard to speak for fandom isn't it and and yeah. i think we've been seeing a lot of that on, on these podcasts and everybody has different perspectives to how they're coming 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 through this so for me it's only like how i can relate my personal views on it and everything but after the dark knight trilogy i felt like this is the bat. This is the Batman story I always wanted. I love this. This this is my Batman, and I have a trilogy that can't ever really be touched or done, and it's gonna always be here. And anything that happens after this is just gravy, and it doesn't really matter. And then Batman vs Superman came out, <laughs> and and for me, you know, I and this is only me personally. I just felt like BVS did some things with Batman that just seemed so disingenuous mm-hmm. when I watch it. Um, and I get, I get that they were make it a R you know, change Bruce Wayne as they go through, but but there's just so many things in BS that just didn't that were just weird. And it was just set up things such in such a backwards way. Um it, it was like deconstructed before things were built. constructed. Yeah. Before it was even built. Yeah. And and deconstructed it, I, I, it's kind of a weird term to try to even describe what BBS did, but but uh, it just it just seemed it just seemed a little and even the things that they did with the characters to me and Superman too. I mean, it just seemed a little too disingenuous to try to form something new of it. And so I feel like even if you even if the um, Dark Knight trilogy is like your Batman, your favorite thing, if you didn't like 
if you were ready to, and, and a lot of us, we were ready to give BBS a shot and love it and everything. But if you didn't love BBS, you are, you aren't going to be excited for Justice League. And I think, I think more than anything, that is the divide. Like if you love Snyder and love BBS and everything and it was great, then of course you're going to be excited. But, but for me, BBS set up that I love Justice League. I love all the characters, but be, for just me, BBS just set everything up so awkwardly that I can't. I, I, I can only wait and see how it, it is going to come out. Right. And uh, so uh, my whole point was just, uh, and Ryan, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I was just trying to say that it's not, I don't believe it's a generational thing. Like if you're from this generation, you have to like Batman by himself. And if you're from this generation, you can take it. I think it's a mm. personal preference. And I think oh, it's oh, where, uh, where what, you started with it because there's guys my age who never heard of batman till 1989 and then were huge fans and then there's people who were watching super friends and diapers like me so that's what i was i think yeah yeah what i was trying to say is like in each of these generational pockets you do kind of have these diverging paths like Mm -hmm. you have in the in you if you love batman in the 70s or whatever like you can either of course there's going to be the people that just like everything but if there are opportunities to these eras for people to kind of diverge and and start to like one thing or another. So like avenues you could be like, oh, okay, you have Super Friends or you have Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams like Joker's Five Way Revenge. Like, yes, that's my Batman. But then you go a little further where you have the '80s Batman or the you know the Tim Burton movies. But then you go a little further and then you have the animated series and the Justice League cartoon too. And and there are a lot. So so all I'm saying is like each generational pocket has these different things that appeal either way and the people that loved Justice League or Justice League primarily they are getting their movie now and you know but for me but for but for some of those people I still feel like if for the it's for the people that only like solo batman it's like it's almost like Justice League has to do extra work to convince every to convince those people that this is a good idea, you know. Right. Yeah. This is worth having now instead of the solo Batman stuff I've always been used to and want. All right, are you guys ready to go further in the video? Yep, let's go. All right, and just so you know, Ryan, I'm just kind of describing what's on the screen just so there's sure. not awkward silence like there was between me and many girls in high school. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Batman is looking down, and now we, he takes off his Han Solo disguise, and we see it's. Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Ben Affleck. Then we have the scene of uh, Cyborg's dad uh, with the mother box and the parademon. Let's pause it right there. Um, what'd you think of the parademons so far, Rob? Oh, that was pretty cool. It was just enough uh, in shadow that you uh, couldn't quite get a look at it. It was the glowing eyes and you seeing the mother box kind of thriving there. It's just, oh, that was a, a really neat shot, you know, suspenseful. I mean, us as fans know it's the parademon, but... I'm sure there's going to be a whole group of people like my mother that has no idea what a parademon is, but she'll be like, ooh, what's that? <laughs> How about you, Ryan? What'd you think? Uh, it, it, it's cool. I mean, it, it, again, it's it's just all out, out of context, but um, I'm interested to see how all this fits into the story. And I've heard you know, from some of the interviews where Cyborg's arc is kind of the heart of, of the story, which makes sense. You know, if if he's created by the if mother boxes were integral into creating cyborg, then it makes sense that he'd kind of be some of the missing link or or a key link in in uh, 
figuring out how to defeat the Paradigms or uh, access dark side type or apocalyptian technology or whatever. Yeah, for me, it, it reminds me a lot of the first couple issues of Justice League for the new 52 mm-hmm. that um, Jeff Johns and uh, Jim oh, yeah. did. And yeah. so I wonder if it's going to borrow heavily from that. And I like how they're kind of doing the creep factor on the parademons. And hopefully they they have a little more to them than just like a, a, a faceless horde for the heroes to, to beat up. Uh, yeah. All right. So I'm at 32 seconds. I'm going to hit play. And we got a first look at Wonder Woman talking to Bruce Wayne. And um, then we got this awesome Aquaman scene where he's like the water and he brings in this guy and takes a whiskey bottle and says it's on him. So let me <laughs> pause it right there. Oh, oh we kind of let me hit pause. So Aquaman, to me, he looks awesome. Uh, I don't know how this will all fit in the story if it's just awesome beats. But um, I think I think people are going to come away almost like bvs where if you didn't like it you're like yeah i didn't like it but aflac was awesome i kind of feel yeah. like that's what people are going to do with aquaman what do you guys think uh, yeah Rob? yeah i i thought he looked pretty cool i i always kind of like my aquaman uh the mid 90s hook hand aquaman we had the long mm-hmm. beard looked a little more uh <laughs> you know badassery <laughs> i guess although i'm a sucker for the the classic you know clean shaven look aquaman too but uh, i think this is pretty cool you know aquaman's been the but of so many jokes, there's even a Saturday Night Live skit where they did like the death of Superman. There's a, you know, a fight breaks out and Batman's telling you do this, you do that. Aquaman, you go talk to a fish, you know, that, yeah, that type of stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm very uh, hopeful uh, that this kind of brings some resurgence uh, back to Aquaman. Cause I think he's a very underrated character. Before I throw it to Ryan, just to throw that out. That that Death of Superman uh, Saturday Night Live skit. Oh my God! When Sinbad shows up dressed like Black Lightning, and <laughs> and this is back in the '90s, and I, I remember watching that, and I'm like, Black Lightning, he's in The Outsiders. I, that's a real character. That's a real character. Yeah. But uh, uh, Ryan, what, what do you think of Aquaman in the trailer? Uh, I love Jason Momoa's you know whole aesthetic and stuff, and he, and when you look at all the times you see Aquaman in this. It does kind of feel like he's a kind of a giant amalgamation of a bunch of different styles and ways we've seen Aquaman throughout the years. Because mm-hmm. a little bit rugged and rough, rough edge, like you know the '90s and Aquaman. But then later on, you see him in regal armor and everything. So even at the end of the trailer, we get some almost brave and the bold illusions in terms of how he kind of uh, reacts to things and does things. So. Uh, some of that feels a little bit too overboard for me personally, but again, it's such it's a tone thing, and it's I got to see the full picture just to see the full picture. So, but uh, but James it, it absolutely it looks super talented, and I think it's gonna he's out of all the new characters, I think he's he's the one I'm most excited about seeing in yeah. Justice League. Man, if he just at one point in the movie shouts out outrageous, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I yeah. will throw my popcorn in the air. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, and then I stopped it at uh, 47 seconds, and I, I saw a little bit of Cyborg. And the criticism has been that the CGI doesn't look that great. And I kind of – this is where why it didn't get an A for me, maybe a B plus. I, I'm kind of seeing that. I'm hoping it looks better on the big screen. I'm hoping that the, the character works because you're only seeing a few seconds. Um, I'm hoping Cyborg brings in a lot of kids who, who are fans of like Teen Titans Go and stuff like that into it. But uh, uh, Ryan, what would you mm-hmm. think of Cyborg? 
Uh, Cyborg is a wait and see for me, but it's but I do agree about the character. Like they for a few years, DC, you know, they have been trying to get some more diversity in their casts and stuff like that. And and he and that's why one reason why he was kind of a big part of the new Fifty Two Justice League and everything. So Cyborg is a great character, and I'm excited to see him uh, on the big screen. But uh, you know, they have time to finish everything up and. And I get the criticisms of people that you know aren't too crazy about the effects so far, um, but but the, you know I'm a two minds of it. Um, you know it's this isn't a trailer, it is an official thing. Like they do, even though they have time and they have time to change things, they do also need to kind of stand behind what they've put out so far. Um, so, but he does. He's he's he looks like a cyborg, and I think he's going to work. Um, and you know just personally like. You know, I I'm an effects artist, and I know what it's like to work on a giant project and have it parts of it go out into the world and have people critique it and say what they think. You know, and yeah, it's and sometimes and it's it's hard. I mean, part of it is good, part of it's bad. Um, but criticism and critique is not a bad thing if it's done right. Um, so. So, you know, again, just a kind of a wait and see for me. Cyborg's he 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 can be cool. I just uh excited to see how he fits in in the final finished finished movie. And before I I throw it to you, uh Rob, yeah, like for visual effects, like the entire world has become such a snob. Like our expectations of it yeah. look so yes. like accurate. Are, are just crazy. Like I'll show videos to like the kids at school sometimes, and they're from you know a few years ago, and be like, "Oh, that looks so fake. Oh, it looks so fake." Oh, and I'm yeah. like, "Well, yeah, because it is fake. They didn't really have a spaceship flying, you know, like you know, it, a cyborg is not real. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Like it looks fake because he's not a real cyborg. It's you know, like use uh, your imagination a little bit, people. Uh, but Rob, what'd you think of cyborg? I thought it looked uh, pretty cool. I mean, you can kind of look at it and go, "I hope they." finish it but at the same time if i had seen this this technology wasn't around in 85 but if this would have come out i'd have been giddy as a schoolgirl, like oh my gosh they're cyborg he's a part of the teen titans you know um i mean just go back and look at jurassic park now you know mm-hmm. watching the dinosaurs roam around i remember just being captivated it still holds up you know you know by then and you look at it now and go yeah, i can you can tell but i think still i agree <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree with the expectations. There's dinosaurs aren't walking around. They're looking at skeletons yeah. and trying to guess what things you know look like. And cyborg's not real. So if this is the final version of cyborg, am I a little disappointed? A little, but it's still cyborg, and um, I'm excited mm-hmm. for it. So um, I'm kind of with Ryan. I'll, I'm going to give it a pass. Let's wait and see. I hope yeah. it's better, but if it's not, I'm yeah. not going to be throwing popcorn out the screen and going, this is crap, you know. Yeah. I, I, it's just, I, I, I it's can't a, do it's, that. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird Uncanny Valley thing, too, I think we'll experience because he is human, but is also, you know, a machine. So things – so they're, they do walk a fine line. Well, like how artificial does he need to look or move or any of these things? So it's going to be – so some person might say, man, that looks fake, and he looks like mechanical. And then on the other hand, it's like, yeah, because he is mechanical. So yeah. it's it's going to be really very interesting to me to see how, how they kind of address that or what route they go. So, And for me, it's going to be a lot of um, 
they need to get the eyes right. It just as an artist critiquing it, but they, I think they need to get the eyes right because you have like a robot eye and you have a uh, a human eye, and you need to identify with that part of the character. And if they can sell that, then everything else will kind of like fill in. Mm-hmm. But I think the face, the face part of him needs to kind of look very believable, but not kind of reach too much of that uncanny valley thing. It just it's 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 very tricky. Like this is his character. I can tell you, it, it is going to be very tricky for them to get it right. But uh, but I'm excited to see how they do it. You know, and yeah, it's again just the way that people critique these things, especially Zack Snyder movies. You you can have two minds of the subject and everything because like you can on one hand people are like. <laughs> Oh yeah, Zack Snyder can do. He can obviously do full CG characters. Didn't you see Watchmen and you know Dark Man? That was awesome. Everybody that says Cyborg is going to be bad is stupid. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, yeah, he also they also did Doomsday, and you know they also did Doomsday. <laughs> so there's, yeah. al- there's always an argument that refutes either one. Right. But uh, I think I think they know the challenge they have uh, for him. So I'm I'm excited to see how it turns out. Good, I, I feel good characterization can overcome some bad CGI. So, yep. Um, yep. if 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 we really if he if they do a good job of establishing his character, especially his relationship with his father, with which if they keep the comic version is not a very good relationship, um, but contentious, yeah, yeah, it's like the father has a lot of issues. He really loves his son, but he doesn't really know how to express it and is, is very into his work. And, um, it also looks like later on, we'll see there's, there'll be some stuff with Barry Allen and his father. If, if they actually do that well, which looking at man of steel, now they did have Kevin Costner as the father and, and, and Russell Crowe, but, but Zack Snyder has shown some really good father, son moments in this, you know, series. Um, I think that'll overcome the CGI. Like if I, if I throw it back to like Jar Jar Binks, like I never hear anybody complain about how Jar Jar Binks looks. It's either you like don't. that character or you, you don't like that character. Like, I mean, maybe no, no one ever said that. Maybe. But, but when you get in the Jar Jar Binks debate, people are talking more about his characterization, I think, a yep. lot. You know, yeah. um, but all right, let's uh, hit play. I'm at 47 seconds. We're, we see Cyborg and um, then we get Cyborg some more. Um, That's in a action. cool shot. Him yeah. stopping the car. Yeah, and you know, I looking at it now, it, I I thought it looked really cool. Um, but um, oh, I should have hit pause. Sorry, uh, I paused at fifty three. If you want to go back, and it, we're in like Barry Allen's. Um, I don't even know what this is because I I don't know how he had. All right, I paused it at fifty three seconds, and he's got high definition televisions up, and he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 15, 16, like about at least 20 different TVs. And I guess, is he watching them all at the same time? Cause he's the flash. Um, but where does he get the money for that? Um, maybe this suit, is a close so, down, like Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah. Yeah. And Bruce is just hanging there. Um, all right. So I'm going to hit play. Cause we, we kind of seen the, uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, meets the flash in the teaser. And that, that was pretty cool. But, um, so, all right, I hit play, and there's Bruce. And then we see a little bit of the flash in action running. Um, cool. I'm going to hit pause at one minute. Um, it, the, the running looks a lot different than the TV show, but I thought it looked really cool. And I feel like they have their work cut out for them because they got to stay true to the character, and the TV show is so true to the character. But yet they can't just do the TV show either. So, right. And I've heard a rumor that we may get 
um, some reverse Flash in the Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. So I'll throw it to you, Rob. What do you think of the Flash here and, and what we might see of him? I think it's pretty cool that uh, how they're doing the Flash here, you got to differentiate between the two. The TV budget for their special effects is not what Zack Snyder can throw you know, at the movie screen here. So I think we're probably going to see some different stuff, and you kind of see him actually running. Looks like he's almost swimming through a time stream at a couple, you know, points there, and he's got, you know, blue lightning instead of the yellow, which some people were like, Flash should have yellow lightning. Um, I'm I'm indifferent on that. I think that's more of, that's what the, the time stream that looks like he's running through rather than the electricity coming off the Flash. I, th- I thought the visuals were... Cool, and I, I expected something different from this Flash as he ran than I do in the TV series, rather than them try and steal or replicate from the TV show. So I'm glad that there's there's two different versions. So it's like somebody going to this, going, "Well, that's not Grant Gustin." You you can instantly tell this is a different Flash, even though it's the same Flash. But uh, what about you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean the Grant Gustin comparison is a good one, but on the other hand, I. I you know, way way more people are going to see this movie than than watch the TV show too, mm-hmm. and but it's, but not to say that they shouldn't try to kind of differentiate the two. And, I, and they are they are the start. They've obviously been trying to do that, and it does feel like you know with the costuming and everything, they're trying to give everything kind of a reason and detail and stuff. And you know, because that's one thing to keep in mind too. Like each of these characters has their own separate mythology and universe that they also need to respect. You know, so you've got Batman and Gotham and you've got, you know, Aquaman and Atlantis and Woman and the Amazons and, you know, Cyborg and all the apocalypse stuff. But then you've got the Flash and all of his stuff is very – it doesn't all need to be connected because they need to think be thinking about, you know, long term more than just what does a Flash like, look like. You, know, you see that shot of him running. You're like, well, he's running, but is he running through Speed Force? You know, and, and the Speed Force has to – look a certain way and you know about that they've already kind of explored some of that in that we saw in bbs and mm-hmm. if uh and they kind of to connect the two um if they do decide to explain the nightmare stuff and all that kind of stuff so um yeah I, I like the look of it i think it's i think it's cool it looks he's the flash he looks fast and i think that's you know uh i think it's cool and as we see later on with the reverse flash stuff i mean I don't know if we'll see him in this movie. But if they, if the storyline is introduced where his father is in prison wrongly for his mother's murder, then that kind of means that the Reverse Flash ex- at least exists in in this universe. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So I'm at one minute. I feel like so much stuff happens later on. I'm going to be like a, a a barker at an auction. Like, and then there's mirror, and then there's Batman, and then they jump from the thing, and then the bird. And then the... So uh, I'll try to say pause. But here at one minute. All right, so we had the Flash. He throws the Batarang, grabs the Batarang. They, he realizes he's Batman. Then we have Batman swoop in, throw like a grenade. Let's hit pause right there. I'm That's at 109. That's sweet. Blank. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. I used to say before uh, BVS, the best Batman fight ever on film was uh, Nicolas Cage in um, – was that uh, – Crack kick ass. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. No, even though he really wasn't Batman, was he Big Daddy or something like that? But that was he was basically Batman. Um, yeah, I love. I don't care if it's CGI or not. I love the way the cape moves. I love the how fast Batman moves in this. We've never seen Batman move this fast. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, I, and I wasn't worried about Batman in action with Zack Snyder, but this this was good. So, Rob, what do you think? <laughs> I I'm head over heels on this version. Maybe not like what his methods are and what he does, but how he fights, how he moves, um, how he's handling villains. Um, you look at Christian Bale's performance in The Dark Knight Rises where he's taken on all those guards in front of uh, John Blake and he kicks that last guard and you watch the warehouse scene. Those are completely two different Batmans. So I think this is a version of Batman we've never got to see. He's been great up until this point, but you can look backwards and go, man, I wish Keaton's Batman moved like this. I wish Bale's Batman moved like this. Kilmer, mm-hmm. you know, hell, throw Clooney in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as far as fluidity and combat skills, this is my favorite version of Batman. And this scene's just cool seeing him swoop in and throw stuff. I, I thought it was great. Brian? I ask you this: When he swoops in, what what is that hooked onto? It goes into the sky. I don't know. I don't know what it's connected to. But uh, there's a lot of that. Know. If you watch the animated series, there's a lot of that too, where they shoot the grappling <laughs> I mean, it's in the in comics the too. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the Arkham like, games the were like, like that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. just jumped off. Well, even in the comics, <laughs> even the comics, like a rope going up into the air, like it's connected somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but uh. Yeah, I was just joking. Though. But yeah, it's cool. It's it's cool. It's fluid. It, it's it's just more of the kind of fluidity we've seen from the Affleck man in BVS and this. But this, as opposed to you know, to me this it looks it looks like it's ripped right out of like a Jeff Johns New Fifty Two. You know, mm-hmm. everything's dark and on fire, and Batman's kicking everybody's butt. You know, Jim Lee art kind of, mm-hmm. you know, book. It, it, look, it looks like a Justice League, New 52 Justice League book, which is cool. And I'm excited to see uh, how it looks and stuff. And But it, for me, it's like characterization, story, and, you know, if uh, how they address what happened in BBS. And, 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 and I've heard that they will. So um, I just... I can't wait to see it play out so I can critique it as a full thing. So, right, yeah. But uh, in terms of like this, these shots, I think I think it's cool. Yeah, if the action, if they, if if I get the feeling like, oh, they're doing this to save the world, I'm gonna be like, yawn, boring. Of course they're gonna save the world. It's anticlimactic. But if I feel like they're fighting for each other, if they really sell that they've become a team and they care about each other and are fighting for each other, then I'll I'll, I'll it'll just make that so much better. But all right, yeah. I'm gonna hit play at 109 here. And what do we see next? We see Cyborg, Flash, Wonder Woman. They're all posing in front of a green screen. Uh, and Justice League. Real quick. All right. Let me pause. I pause that. 117. It says four. Mm-hmm. And um, we saw Aquaman throw the trident uh, at a parademon. So, Rob, go ahead. Um, just at the shot, I wonder if this is the where it's all yellow in the background. I wonder if this is the end of the movie or if this is, it's very interesting, isn't it? Or if yeah. this is, you know, them, Hey, they've saved the day or this is them arriving on apocalypse. Um, you know, I know BVS was the dawn of justice. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if this is literally the dawn here. They've saved the day. Yes. They're on top of their building and color is coming into the DC mm-hmm. universe. You know, yeah. uh, that would be a, a nice little metaphor. I'm, I'm, it's probably nothing like that. They're probably like, oh, we're here. That's the fires of apocalypse <laughs> that they're on. Yeah. Well, it's all, and, and it, it, it is 
eerily similar to like the opening of the, the yes. initial Justice League part, where they have mm-hmm. Radiant that kind of comes up and reveals the team. And this shot to me is probably the most interesting sequence in the whole trailer because of those connections and because I just I just you look at each of these characters' faces and you're just like you know, why is Flash so happy? Why is Wonder Woman, like, hopeful looking? Why, you know, like, is happening here? And why is Batman not there? And is Superman there? Like, is something, I, I feel like it ought to be related to, like, Superman's back or, you know, they're all together. It, it, whatever the case is, this does feel like it's a very pivotal moment in the film that they're not, you know, fully telling us about at this right. point. Yeah, and then the scene with Aquaman and the Parademons, I like... Him using the trident like that, it, it looked really cool. What'd you think, Ryan? Uh, same. Hey, did I lose you guys? I think I lost Ryan. Okay. Oh, I was I was muted. I was muted. I'll oh, okay. Start over. Okay. So yeah, um, just about Aquaman with the trident use. It's cool. I mean, it but it is like classic slow motion. Zack Snyder, Aquaman's looking cool, like stabbing mm-hmm. people with tridents. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 gonna be either gonna Either that's what you like or that's what you don't. But it, but what it is 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 it's pretty cool. And um, I just some of the movements are just maybe a little too extreme for me. And the the one at the end I is definitely too extreme for me. But it's cool because I like the slow mo because it does look like you know a mid action shot in a comic book panel where like a bunch of cool actions happening. And to see Aquaman, I, I, I'm interested to see how much of this stuff works for him out of water you know i know that's maybe that's like a stipula you know like old wives tell her like, oh, a woman needs water to do stuff but yeah but i'm i'm curious to see i'm curious to see how they you know do that you know because the trident is kind of like the water weapon or whatever but what but you know is he just gonna be stabbing people constantly with this thing or <laughs> yeah. i'm just wondering but in in terms of like a shot in a trailer it's a cool shot and i'm gonna answer for rob you loved it right outrageous yeah uh, i knew it <laughs> um well and a friend of mine was talking he's like you give him a hammer you color his hair blonde and you have a cape it's thor and people don't have a problem with thor throwing a hammer around you know that goes out 500 miles and bangs a, a villain in the head and comes back to him and he swings it around this is and, real though rob <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, legend. I, yeah i i look at aquaman and his trident This is going to be the Thor of the DCU. Thor's kind of quippy. He's kind of dumb blonde, (laughs) you you know, at times a little bit. And uh, all the ladies love Thor. And they're both... And they're both rooted in kind of like pseudoscience, like ones Atlantis and ones like right. Asgard kind of mm-hmm. feel. They're, they are very similar in that in that, those regards. So I'm thinking if the the Marvel fan will probably get well, Aquaman is pretty cool. I I think that's just going to kind of hopefully come a little natural. So for people kind of jumping on Aquaman, although he's just going to throw his trident all day. It's like I think he's going to use it like like Thor does. And there's even a shot later in the uh, trailer where we see him use it other than a, a throwing device. So I, he needs to, he needs to, I, I really hope there's, you know, cause if he does, is this like super like dude, bro, like, Oh, Aquaman, everything is red. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeehaw or whatever. Like he needs to like use it to do something like stupid, like roast, make some s'mores or something mm-hmm. like a shish kebab or something. Yeah, <laughs> he left his frat from Atlantis to go hang out with his bros. You know, yeah, um, yeah. 
Um, I'm just glad DC got Aquaman out before Marvel got Namor out. So, um, yeah. But uh, all right. So 117, it says four. And I'm going to hit play right now. And Wonder Woman does her leg sweep kick. And she just looks freaking gorgeous. Um, And Cyborg flies out. And I'm going to pause it right here. Um, So Wonder Woman looks great. Uh, I don't even care if it works for the story. I'll just watch her. And uh, then Cyborg flies out. And he had puts like the the mask over his head which i have never seen that in the comics or cartoons mm-hmm. before. and i thought that was really cool uh, and then we got uh flash looks like somebody with a gun i, I don't know if it's a parademon's back or not um is trying to shoot at him and he's kind of avoiding which looks awesome i think looks cool too uh so rob what'd you think of these like three quick scenes of that uh heroes in action Oh, it's pretty cool. Uh, wife and I have played like the Lego Batman games, and Cyborg flies in that, and a mask goes over his face. And I show my wife the trailer, and she's always like renaming characters, so she calls Cyborg Cyborg Bob for <laughs> for whatever reason. So she, she's like, "Oh, Cyborg Bob! Like he flies, like he does in a Lego movie." And I thought about it for a second. I'm like, "Oh yeah, he does." And I had put the game in and brought up a Cyborg and. You send him to fly, and a mask comes over his face. I thought, oh, that that was kind of cool. Not that it's, you know, comic accurate, but that's. I thought that was a, a neat little move, and that, you know, Cyborg, even in the New Fifty Two and in the animated Justice League War movie, his body was constantly adapting and, you know, growing as he was, you know, fighting uh, the Parademons and Dark Side. So I thought it was pretty cool. Mm. And then the Flash scene, I thought, worked pretty cool. Uh, especially timed with the music as he's just kind of going bam, bam, bam around, you know, pushing him. We're not quite there as the push through the wall, but I'm assuming this is probably a parademon. Some people were saying initially they thought it was Cyborg and uh, Flash fighting, but you, even on the still frame at where I'm at 126, you can tell that's not uh, Cyborg. So I thought that was a, a cool sequence. And like you said, uh, if the film projector freezes and gals on the screen, I'm I'm, <laughs> fine. I'm fine in the theater for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Ryan, what'd you think? If they, in this cyborg shot, he's like in the, you know, goes above the clouds and the moon's there. If the bat wing does not fly up and make the bat signal, I will be super pissed because it looks tailor-made for that. Like, it looks just like that shot from M889. It's just begging for it. It's so so funny you said that. Yeah, because I was just going to say, what does that remind you of? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Yeah, I think I tweeted, you guys tweeted it. I mean, it looks, it's it's begging for it. It's so obvious. Like, it's almost like a weird illusion. And I know you see Cyborg fly up, but... uh, it's it's cool. It is cool. Like whatever whatever the case is, it's it's a cool shot scene versus the class. Like, wouldn't it be neat if you know Batman flies up in the Batwing or whatever and says like you know stay here and Cyborg's like no nah, I'm right behind you or they go up one by one into the moon and Batman's maybe the last one to go up in the moon. That'd be cool if that happens. Yeah, I, yeah. I, want, I want some writing credit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's where we're going to put a pin in it for this episode. Like I said in the front of the episode, uh, this was originally just going to be um, about a uh, half hour to maybe you know forty minute conversation between Terrence and I. Then I was going to add something special into the episode since Ryan wasn't going to be able to be part of the show, and then he had some free time. So uh, we will uh, come back and finish up this conversation about the Justice League trailer and uh, a couple other little things, and then we will get back to 
to finally finishing up uh, Nightfall and move into Prodigal. So thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake, and we will see you guys uh, in the next episode. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.